It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Tresenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson, and this is the 13th episode of season two of the Stacy and Stacy podcast. And we're glad you're listening in. You'll find us here each morning at eight o'clock with a quick prayer, short scripture reflection, and a discussion on a current topic that's pressing in our world today. <laughs> you can join in that discussion by messaging us on Facebook. Um, you can go to our website at stacyandstacy.site. And you can contact us from there. Of course, if you like it, if we make you think or scratch your head, we would love for you to <laughs> share it with your friends. Share the love. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being here on this day, September 28th, 2022, the year of our Lord, 2022. <laughs> um, we're going to get into the scripture reading in a little bit, which is continuing on that that really happy journey of Job. <laughs> And uh, I know everybody, and we were talking about everybody hears the word Job and they're like, no, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. No, (laughs) Uh, we are going to continue to talk about it. Also, it was, it spurred us, spurred us, (laughs) almost said spawned us, like that's not quite right. (laughs) It spurred us to do a, a deeper evaluation of what it means to believe. As converts, this was something I didn't. You know, we say the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. As converts, that's a word I had never really thought about. We pray the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But what are we saying? Mm-hmm. What are we saying? We say we believe. What was Job saying when he said he believed? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to dive into that specific little teaching because I thought it's a philosophical teaching, but I thought it was really helpful mm-hmm. to me in my journey of faith. So we'll, we'll go through our little lesson on belief after we do the the fun lesson on Job, <laughs> which is over to you, Stacy. <laughs> yes. Hang in there with us. It's, it's going to be good. All right. Let's start and uh, start off with prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you've given us so much and we are so thankful. We love you. We We need you. We trust you and and we want more of you. So um, again, this morning, we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would comprehend your scriptures. Give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear you. We love you, Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, Okay. As always, I encourage you to grab your Bible, the scriptures, and spend some time with the Lord today. So real quick, we are going to just read the scripture reading that is in Job, that's uh, in Job chapter nine. And then we're going to, I'm going to kind of tell you the story of Job, paraphrasing a little bit. So let's start off with the reading. Job answered his friends and said, I know well that it is so, but how can a man be justified before God? Should one wish to contend with him? He could not answer him once in a thousand times. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. 
Who has withstood him and remained unscathed? He removes the mountains before they know it. He overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place and the pillars beneath it tremble. He commands the sun and it rises not. He seals up the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads upon the crests of the sea. He made the barren Orion and the constellations of the south. He does great things past finding out, marvelous things beyond reckoning. Should he come near me, I see him not. Should he pass by, I'm not aware of him. Should he seize me forcibly? Who can say nay him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? How much less shall I give him any answer or choose out arguments against him? Even though I were right, I could not answer him, but should rather beg for what was due me. If I appealed to him and he answered my call, I could not believe that he would hearken to my words. Okay, so that is the reading in Job. Now, Job is... Throughout the book of Job, um, his friends would try to console him, and then he responds to his friends, and there's a back and forth, back and forth. And so to me, it sounds almost like God is defend. I mean, Job is defending God to his friends in this um, portion of scripture. His friends are always coming in and giving him their two cents worth, and then Job comes back. And we can tell by his responses, though, that he has a view of God that is one of respect and awe and fear. So when the book of Job begins, we see him described as a good and righteous man, uh, one who fears God, one who shuns evil. He has seven sons and three daughters and lots of livestock and employees. It says he was the greatest man throughout the entire East. So the the book of Job begins with God having a meeting, and it says that God's having a meeting with the sons of God. So an, um, angels, um, heavenly beings, they're all in this meeting. And then guess who walks in? Satan, the adversary, the troublemaker, the spoon, because he's always stirring the pot. And he starts doing what he <laughs> does best. He's accusing. He wants to accuse someone. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. Mm. And it's like you can feel the tension in the air. All eyes turn to God and you can just hear the whispers. What's he going to do? What's God going to do? Look who just walked in. What's he doing here? And then God looks over and asks his enemy, where have you come from? And Satan says he's been roaming around the earth, looking around, checking things out. And I assume he's been looking for someone to accuse, right? Because that's what he does. And God, knowing the end from the beginning, he wasn't taken aback. He, he wasn't surprised when he walked in, when Satan walked in. He can see the enemy's manipulation. And he knew what card the enemy was trying to play. God also, knowing his servant's heart, chooses Job for a very important assignment. Now, I got to admit, I, I'm, and I'm sure this thought might have crossed your mind too, but when I first read this, I'm like, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And I thought, what? Wait, like, don't even mention my name to them. <laughs> like, why is God dipping Job in the grease? Why is he throwing him under the bus? Like, I would be yeah. perfectly happy just flying under the radar. It's like being called on in school. I know. You don't want to... I know. Like, you just want to look down. You don't want to make eye contact. Don't pick me. Don't me. me. 
But he tells totally. me what a great God Job is. And of course, Satan downplays it. And he says, of course he is. He has everything he could want. So let's read the scripture. This is Satan's uh, actual reply in scripture. He says, why should Job not be a God-fearing man? You have safeguarded him and his family and all his possessions with your protection. You have blessed every one of his undertakings and his flocks have continued to increase throughout the land. But if you stretch out your hand and strike all that he has, he will surely curse you to your face. Hmm. There it is. Wow. That's the card. It was like Satan was saying, no one really loves you. You're wasting your time on these mortals. One sign of trouble and they will curse you. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, my goodness, what a what an amazing um, assignment Job had. And what if God hadn't suggested Job? Because, you know, Satan had said he was out roaming around. What if he had found somebody? And he knew that person would crumble. And so he wanted to pick somebody else. And God got ahead of the game. And he said, hey, what about my servant Job? Because I know his heart and I trust him. What a huge responsibility. Yeah. But you know what makes it even bigger and more amazing to me is that Job didn't even know what was going on. He's fighting mm -hmm. an unseen enemy. He's fighting. He, he can't. He doesn't even know who his enemy is. He didn't even know he was part of this controversy. Job lost everything. He lost his oxen, mm -hmm. his sheep, all his children, his employees, even his health. But God mm -hmm. was right and certainly chose the right man for the job. Because even though Job didn't know what was happening behind the scenes, and Job didn't know that when that knock came at his door with the messenger that he'd lost his oxen, and then another knock came at the door that very same day that he had lost his sheep, and then another knock came at the door that very same day that he had lost his children. He didn't know it wasn't about him. He didn't know that he'd been chosen by God to prove that a man could lose everything and not curse God. Job didn't know that his story would be told for thousands of years and inspire millions of believers and that we'd be talking about it here today in 2022. Job didn't know that God trusted him to remain devoted and not to curse him. And this is what Job did when he got those messages and he found out that he'd lost everything. It says that Job arose, he tore his cloak, he shaved his head and he threw himself prostrate on the ground. But he said, naked I emerged from my mother's womb and naked I will return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it goes on to say, in all this, in all this that he suffered, Job did not sin, nor did he revile God. He was able to say somewhere within himself, in a place that God saw before this happened, Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. So that's how it started. That's how the book of Job starts. Before we find out how it ends, I want to look at our own lives and how we are in this unseen war still today. Because as I was reading this, I thought about the battles that are still raging, seen and unseen. I mean, just like Job, we can't see the unseen, but we feel the effects of it in our marriages, our families, our health, our everyday lives. It's like the enemy, you know, he's still trying to wreak havoc. He still wants to separate us from God. He still tries to come, steal, kill and destroy. 
And I began to think maybe our choices that we make on these battlefields of life that we find ourselves on can produce eternal echoes that strengthen or weaken the overall unseen war, depending on how we respond to it. Like we've said before, you know, we don't get to choose the race that's set before us, but we can choose how we run that race. And I thought about, you know, just uh, played it out in my mind. What if my father and the accuser of the brethren are having a conversation similar to the one that they had about Job? And what if the accuser is doing what he does best in full-blown devil mode, accusing me? What if he's saying things like, she's not strong. She won't make it. She's so weak. She's going to turn her back on you. This is more than she can handle. And what if my father responds with, you don't know her like I do. And what if Satan says, you turn up the heat and watch her crumble. She'll throw in the towel. She'll give up. She can't take it. And just what if my God, my heavenly father looks him straight in the eye and says, you don't know my daughter. You know, it says that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Well, what if it's because he already knows what he placed in the inside of us? What if he already knows beforehand what we can and can't handle? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> We've said that before too, I think. No, but it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, even though I feel like, screaming and giving up. What if God knows that in spite of that, I'm going to choose a testimony that declares God is mm -hmm. able and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That in spite of my circumstances, I will choose to cling to the one who holds me in the palm of his hands and answers me when I cry out and call on him. Mm -hmm. And he, and I know he's never going to leave me or abandon me. And unlike mm -hmm. Job, who, you know, he didn't know anything. I mean, he didn't have the Bible. We have the Bible today. We have this story. We have the story of Job. But Job didn't know there was anything going on. But we do. We know we're not limited to our circumstances. And I used to say, we're not uncircumcised giants. <laughs> I know you said that the other day. I'm like, well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't wondering if I was an uncircumcised giant. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. You know, in 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 the the story there where yeah. David goes to fight Goliath. It's, I, it took me yeah. a while to figure out what you meant. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny sometimes I'll throw that out and I'll get kind of a, a look that kind of someone cocked their head sideways, like, what'd she just say? What did she did she just say what I thought yes, she said? But but it just means that, you know, Goliath wasn't circumcised. He wasn't in covenant with God, but David was, and David knew who had yeah. his back. He knew that he was in covenant with God, and it gave him that confidence to stand and fight against that giant. And that's we're not Goliaths. We're not Goliaths. Yes, okay. <laughs> I guess I could say that might sound a little nicer. <laughs> Probably wouldn't get the same response, though. <laughs> We're not Goliath. Okay. Uh, but we right. are daughters and sons we of are. the Most High mm -hmm. God. And he does have our back. Mm -hmm. And and that just what you're saying, though, Stacey, I know sometimes I wonder, can Satan read my thoughts? Does Satan know my heart? Is Satan going to take advantage of me because he knows me? Mm -hmm. And and this is and this is teaching too. I mean, it's it's in the the treaties on the angels from the Summa that we we're talking about, and it's Catholic teaching. 
No, Satan doesn't know us. Just like he thought he knew Job. He, Satan can only see what's on the outside mm-hmm. of us. And Satan can only know what we tell him. Mm-hmm. If, if we invite him in and say, you can get to know all about me, then yeah, he will know. It's just like with your friend if you do mm-hmm. that. But if you pray prayers of protection, Satan doesn't know Mm-mm. you. He may think he knows you, but he doesn't know you. The one who knows you is your creator and your redeemer. God does know your heart. God gives you free will to do what you're going to do, but he knows who you are. And I knew you were going to say that God puts everything in you that you need to do whatever he gives you to Mm -hmm. do because he knows. Yes, he created you. Yes, absolutely. Because you've said that to me before about children, because I've said before, I feel like the job of mothers. I feel like all these things keep happening. And and you said, God knows your heart. God put in you everything you need to do to get through this. And there's a reason for it. And your choices right now may be telling other people, look how strong you can be when you have faith. Look how you can endure and persevere. And it may be speaking volumes. And, and Stacy, like I'm putting all together your teachings. It, it Your choices right now may have eternal consequences, meaning our choices in being strong could lead our own children to Christ because of our testimony or other people to Christ. And that could have consequences on generations to come. That's right, because we don't know who's watching us. We don't live, you know, we do live in a glass house. People are watching us. They're watching how we respond. Just like we said, we don't we don't get to choose the race, but we do get to choose how we run it because people and how we run it is so important because people are watching and yeah. God is trusting us with that race. We may not have chose it, but God's trusting us with it. And when you were saying that about children, yes, absolutely. Young mothers need to know when when they don't know, when they don't know what to do, they need to know that God put everything in you that you needed to be the mother to your child. You have it in you already. He's put it in there. He he knew that you would be the mother to that particular child. And you have everything you need to do that job. God trusts us more yeah. than we trust ourselves. You know, it's right. like, it, it, I mean, just like with Job, I mean, it's, it's not easy when we go through a trial. But, oh, my goodness, will we, when we are in one, will we have the wherewithal to yell, blessed be the name of the Lord like Job did? And, you know, I love the end of this book of Job because God comes in at the end and he begins to straighten everything out. And after God speaks, Job comes back and he says, I had heard of you only by hearsay, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. And that so speaks to me because Like with Thomas, Doubting Tom, we talked about him the other day. When he had a revelation of who Jesus was, when he saw Jesus with his own eyes, when he was able to touch him, he exclaimed, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. You know, after we go through trials and we lean into him and we trust him and we get to the other side, because we're going to get to the other side one way or the other. But when we lean in and we trust him to carry us through, we no longer have just heard of him. We will have seen him with we our know. own eyes. You know, we can only get so far on hearsay. You can only get so far on someone else's encounter and someone else's experience and someone else's revelation of God. We need to know when he asks us, who do you say that I am? We need to know and we need to say, you are my Lord and my God. And that's, that is a good um 
that's kind of what we had on our mind. It's a good segue into this whole question of what does it mean to believe in the first mm-hmm. place? Because we were we were looking at Job um, and Stacy, you brought you brought it so clearly into focus. Imagine if you're Job, because we, we I think it's easy to read that story and think, well, Job knew he was being tested. He was probably going, OK, God, I'll, I'll be your whipping boy. Yeah. You know, I'll let, you can test me and and I'll try to I'll try to show Satan how much I trust you. But Job wasn't privy to all that mm-hmm. was going on. He just had his simple faith mm-hmm. and it and it um, being a very logical person. I remember asking what 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 are we saying when we say we believe mm-hmm. like we pray that in the creed i believe in god the father almighty and that's how our like our whole profession of faith is based on belief and that that was hard for me because as a scientist um we don't make conclusions based on belief like I, i'm not i'm trained not to do that i'm trained not to to say something is true when i haven't seen it with my own eyes or tested it in my own laboratory um, you know, there, but but that's not entirely true either, because even scientists take as a matter of faith things that have come before them that they maybe haven't been able to test. So it it caused me to start thinking, I guess, philosophically, um, studying philosophy now. I'm not so afraid to use that word anymore. <laughs> what does it mean to believe? And I think why why does this matter? I'm not just playing semantics. I think it matters because of situations like Job. I think it matters because if we don't understand what we're praying in the creed, we don't have a prayer of evangelizing. We don't have a prayer of actually leading other people to Christ because we don't even know what we're Mm -hmm. saying when we pray the most important prayer. So I I do think it's important that we get this. All right. So I have, this is, um, this is not just Stacey Trisanko's talking. This is, I read this in a book from Joseph Pieper. He's one of my favorite theologians. I had to read a lot of theologians when I studied dogmatic theology And um, he's one of my go-tos. Like, I just keep coming back to his books. He has two books, one on the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Uh, He's a German philosopher, Josef Pieper, P-I-E-P-E-R. And he has another book on the cardinal virtues, um, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And he says they all fit together, but it starts with faith. So the greatest of the theological virtues is love, faith, hope, and love, but it starts with faith. And he starts that book Chapter one, he he answered the question I had, who really determines what is meant by belief? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, what, what are we saying there? So I want, I want to share this with you. I'm going to try to do it quickly, but in, in this, in, for the sake of defining words, um, that word belief, what does it mean? We use it in a lot of different ways in our society. You know, if somebody says, um, I, you know, we use it like to mean an opinion. Like I, I really think those organic bananas are better than the the non-organic bananas at the grocery store. And you say, yeah, I believe that too. So you're you're stating an opinion, and and that's not what we're saying when we pray the creed. We are not stating an opinion. Right. Okay, dismiss that. We're not using that word in that sense. Another way we use the word belief is like if somebody tells you something and you say, I, I believe that. So. Uh, the example I like is um, there is a story on the internet. You can search it. There is a parrot in Colorado who saved a toddler. And the way the story goes, the, the mom, they have this parrot that can talk. 
the mom put a pop tart on the table with her two-year-old and she went to the bathroom. Like we all do that, right? While the child was strapped in the high chair. So the child is sitting there. The child can't get to the mom. The child can't move. And she heard the parrot in the kitchen going, mama, baby, mama, baby, mama, baby. And those are two words the parrot had never put together mm. before. Mm. And so she thought, that's kind of odd because the, the parrot could say those words, but he had never put them together and he kept repeating them. And so the mom runs into the kitchen and indeed the toddler was gasping for air because she was choking on the pop tart mm. and the mom got in there in time to save her. So if somebody tells you, Hey, Stacy, I read this story on the internet. You can respond in two ways. You can say, I believe it or I don't believe it. Or you could say, I can't believe that. And what you're saying there, if you say, I do believe it, you're saying, okay, I understand how that could happen in reality. Mm -hmm. That is a, that is a plausible story. Um, and you are telling me this, you read it on the internet. I could say, I don't believe anything I hear yeah. on the internet. That's just made up. Um, but if, you know, if, if, if I told you that Stacy, you'd probably believe me. Cause you'd be like, yeah, my friend Stacy Tresenko's knows how to search on the mm -hmm. internet. She wouldn't just tell me this wild story. You might say, I believe it. Cause I trust mm -hmm. her. Right. Right. Um, but you could say, I can't believe it or I don't believe it if it's just too wild. You know, you might say like, she's been hitting the wine a little too much. And <laughs> I think she's starting to crack. Um, but you have to decide. So we're talking about it in that sense. When we say, I believe in God, we're talking about the things that Christ proposes to us as a matter of divine revelation, like if he reveals himself to us, like you say, Stacy, or even divine revelation that forms the dogmatic truths of the Catholic mm -hmm. church. We say we believe, first of all, because we say it's plausible. If, if this is, if Christ is God and this is what God said for our salvation, um, that's plausible, you know, that like, okay, who am I to question God? It's reasonable to say we believe that because it's reasonable that we would believe God. Mm -hmm. right. And it, it also means that we accept the testimony. So belief requires not just accepting that something, you don't just believe something like you don't, you don't just believe there was a parrot. You don't just believe there was a child choking. You're not believing something to say, I believe means that you believe some one that you accept the testimony of someone credible. So that when we say, I believe in God, the father almighty, we're saying, I accept the divine revelation of God, the truths of the church that are guarded by the magisterium down through the centuries. I believe that I accept it as credible, as plausible. And I grant intellectual assent to these truths of faith. And somebody like atheists challenged me this on all the, all the time that you're saying you believe in something you can't mm -hmm. see. And that's not very scientific of you. You're saying you're believing in something that you can't even possibly test. And it gets back to what you said, Stacey. Yes, you do get your own empirical knowledge of God if you if you have faith. If you live by faith, you start to see God's handiwork in your own mm -hmm. life in a way that you you know it. You see it with your own eyes. Um, and so the last part of this is, is it mature to have faith in God? Hmm. How can it be intellectually justifiable for a mature person to grant exclusive assent to anything someone else says? Like, oh, you you dummy, how you just want to blindly believe everything the church says. You can't think for yourself. Well, Pi Peeper says 
it's reasonable, and he's quoting Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas. If there is a someone who exists that is incomparably more superior above a mature person than even a parent is above a child, and if this someone speaks to us, then logic demands that we grant total assent to the truths spoken by this someone. We are compelled to faith. And in this sense, faith is more certain than even knowledge. Faith is more certain because that's something I didn't understand. Like, how can faith be more certain if you can't see it with your own mm -hmm. eyes or if you can't go study it yourself? It's like it's like this. If I say I know algebra, if I say I know that child was saved by a parrot, if I say I know those things, it means I was there to see it. I was in that woman's kitchen. I saw the whole thing happen. I know it because I saw it with my own eyes. Well, I didn't. I don't have any possible way of knowing it. We don't have any possible way of knowing how the world came to exist because we weren't there. So if I'm saying I know it, I'm meaning I'm there with my own eyes to see it. And if and if um, if we're saying that we believe it in the purest possible way, we're saying that we know that we can't know it because we know that we're not God and that we accept the testimony, we accept divine revelation, the incarnation of Christ, the Holy Trinity, creation in the beginning of time out of nothing, the institution of the Eucharist, the founding of the Catholic Church, the dogmas of the Catholic Church. We wouldn't have discovered those things on our own. And so when we get to the Christian creed, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, in one Lord Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We're saying basically yes to God. And, and that gets back to what, um, it, and the certainty, I, I got a little off track there, but the certainty is this. If you say, I believe that today, but I might not believe it tomorrow, you never believed it at, at all. You, you can't be partially believing. If you say, I know algebra today, but I might forget it tomorrow, or if I don't know algebra today, but I'll learn it tomorrow, that is knowledge. Knowledge can change. But if you ever say that about something you believe, you're contradicting yourself. You can't say, I might believe it today, but I might not believe it tomorrow. Because the certainty of faith demands that if you say it once, you mean it and you mean it and you mean it and you mean it. And you're not you're not going to change. Now, you may have doubts and you pray about those in faith for those to be resolved. Um, but I just thought that was so powerful. I was just thinking there's that scripture in Hebrews that, that says faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the conviction about yes. things that cannot be seen. Of course, you know, my King James growing up always said, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So um, the assurance, the substance, the evidence, mm -hmm. the conviction. So um, I love that. I love what you said. Yep. That, that that helped me a lot. Like I, I, I never thought about the creed the same way mm -hmm. again. And, and I think if we're going through hard times, like Job is, if we just pray that yeah. creed, yeah. And, and I remember when I first, we're praying, we believe. when I first came into the church, and and that was one of the first things that I would <laughs> allow myself to say out loud because I was very guarded, right? But I went through yeah. it. I went through it to see. Do I believe this? Do I believe this? This is what they're saying they believe. Do I believe this? Yes. And it was like a checklist. I had to check it off. Yes, I believe everything that they're saying. And so it was easier for me. It was easy for me to 
say it out loud because I was guarded at first. But once I went yeah. through it and I was like, yes, I believe that. You were mm -hmm. honest. Oh, I didn't want to confess something that I didn't believe. Because at that point you were wondering if this was truly what God yeah. wanted well, you. Yes. I mean, I was questioning everything. I was very guarded. I, I definitely was. But like I said, once I went through it and was like, yes, I believe this. Yes, I believe this. You know, I was getting excited. Well, I believe this too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's no turning back from it. Once you grant that intellectual assent to the truths of faith and, and it's not just intellectual, it, it's also the will. It is. And this is one thing. Peeper says and Aquinas says, you you have you have to have faith to have hope. You have to have faith faith to believe there is a good to come, a future good. And and you have to have love to have hope. That's why love is the greatest. Because if you didn't love God, all that I just said would just be wiped away. You you have to love God to say, I believe in yeah, you. God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hear a toddler, so I think it's time to go. Well, my granddaughter's up. <laughs> I'm Stacy Trisangos. I am Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information.